0: Hey, welcome to episode 39 of the Following Faith Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Jacobson, and I'm joined by our three illustrious other hosts, Scott Irwin. Hey, Scott. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Kristen Jacobson. Hey, Kristen. Hey. And Daniel, uh, his home is not a haunted house, Ah, (laughs) Asher. Hello, hello, hello. But I did have a missed opportunity there. Dude. Really? Yeah. Genius struck on October 30th about your home, man. I thought I, oh, I thought we'd be able to have like a money making venture for you guys to just literally all you had to do is just open up the door and let people come into your home and they you're know, there, there are ghouls
1: in the basement terrified children. but I was uh I was slightly offended when you texted me cuz I was just not having it that day <laughs> cuz <'Cause> we, <laughs> we worked all day on Halloween uh we were laying subfloor and doing all kinds of stuff and then you texted me like Oh, so you were
0: having a haunted house at your house, right? (laughs) I was like,
1: ha, 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 Dan, really funny.
0: Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. I think you just wrote back one word. I think you just said hilarious. And it had a period after it. (laughs) Like whenever Daniel uses punctuation, I know it's like totally not the right moment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It was great. It was great. Well, guys, uh, we're in the midst of a, uh, you know, it's after Halloween. We're in, we're, we're after, uh, November 3rd and, uh, it's a moment that we're in right now. We are in the lull. We're in the lull. Nobody knows who the president is. Uh, we're still waiting <laughs> for ballots to be counted. We're not. I don't know if if Trump has his way, ballots might not get counted. Who even knows at this point? Um, and so it's just a chaotic moment. And I figured we would we should do what we do best, which is political analysis. Mm, yes, <laughs> I mean that is not about politics. This is definitely not about politics. By the way. <laughs> received the most amount of feedback, uh, ever. I appreciate all the, um, listeners who put their own votes for president, uh, theoretical presidents on our Facebook page. <laughs> I had a good laugh at those. Um, but you guys were, we're in the midst of a waiting se- season. And if ever there was a, like, uh, a secondary, like if 2020 had a subtitle, you know, the, the title is going to be like the year of chaos. Um, <laughs> and the subtitle might be when we all learned how to wait right? Uh, Mm -hmm. We're in this moment of waiting, waiting to figure out what is going to happen with this uh, presidential uh, thing. A lot of people are waiting for COVID to be done. You know, all, all these things, there's a lot of waiting going on. And I wondered, like, do you guys have any sort of, sometimes it's easy to understand what to do next if you can put a picture or like a metaphor for like what this time is like. Uh, it, I, I want to go around and just say, figure out like, w- what is this time that we're in? If we can come up with a metaphor for this moment of history right now, what what is it? What is it? What do you guys got?
2: You remember that movie, Snakes on a Plane? <laughs> <laughs> but the plane is on fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Metaphors for waiting. I, I don't know. Maybe like a, I, I think of, I think of like a, like a trip on flying on a plane and I'm not a huge turbulence fan, but it's like that moment where, you know, like the, the, like the seatbelt light comes on yeah, and then the pilot comes over the intercom and he's like, Hey, want to let you all know that there's going to be some turbulence up ahead. And so we just want to make you sure you're seated and you got your seatbelts on. And I feel that was like all the way leading up to November. So yeah. to, to yesterday. It's like, hey, we want to let you know yeah. that there's some turbulence coming and we want to make sure that you're seated with your seatbelts on. And then you hit the turbulence and it's terrifying for a moment and, you're, and your stomach drops, you know, just all that little bit. And then at some point you're through it and you land and you go about your day. Uh, this has just maybe been some extended turbulence. I don't know. Dude, that's something that comes to mind for me.
0: I agree. When I,
1: When I was a kid uh we used to go on long road trips me and my dad and he would never stop and let me use the restroom um so i remember the pain of like going by every exit and being like i have to be so bad would you just let me off and use the bathroom and he's like no you're gonna have to wait And i'm like you don't understand i can't wait and i feel like we're just moving by exits right now and yeah. we just can't huh.
0: wait to get off yeah my parents used to tell me to, to eat pretzels because it would soak it all <laughs> up.
2: So that was their excuse. <laughs> I do not know your dad was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the long-awaited delivery of a baby.
0: Oh. Is what my
3: mind <laughs> yeah. would do. I know yours wouldn't have gone no. there, you men in this room. No. But I'm thinking, like, you are waiting and waiting and waiting for this child to arrive, and at the end there, it gets really, really uncomfortable as you're waiting and then you enter into labor and it's painful, but sometimes women have like 40 hours of labor Mm. and that's sort of what I'm feeling is happening right now. It's (laughs) like the process has begun. We are, we are waiting for an official call for this election, but I also feel like once that election is determined or once the baby arrives, so to speak, that newborn stage is not as much fun either yeah. for a lot of people.
0: So, <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't know. Take take that metaphor <laughs> for what you will.
0: Are you saying that whoever wins the presidency is going to be an infant that America needs to coddle? A
3: big is, baby, a big
0: baby. Is that? <laughs> I don't know that the metaphor holds up at that point. But I, I'm with you with the expectation and the the pain know. of it all.
3: Sleepless, sleepless nights.
2: Oh, sleep. Yeah. Newborn stage. Yeah.
3: Sleepless nights. You got a lot of. um some some hope for the future of that child, but also some fear. Sure, regardless of the candidate, I think that works.
0: Yeah, it totally works. I'm a little bit more on board with like the resonance of sitting in the back seat and not being able to get to the bathroom. I feel that one. <laughs> That's because I've never had a child. So, and and sixty percent of our podcast listeners were just like applauding you uh, on their walk through their uh, through their their uh, community. So well done. Yes, I I um. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of just the basic kid on Christmas, waiting for Christmas. And then I realized, no, it's better than that. It's like waiting to get a new puppy. Like, that's how I <laughs> feel about it. I remember when we got Alfie, we had, we had, there was like this eight week period of, of like, the, we're going to get the dog. We're going to get the dog. And I was so excited about it. I was so pumped. It's like the last, the last <laughs> time I felt like a kid. And, uh. Now that I have the dog, I realize um, that he pees in our house and he uh, requires more attention. And that's the newborn <laughs> phase, Kristen. You're saying the newborn yeah. phase. And so that's, that's what, we, what I need. I we
1: need. We need a Dan Jacobson on the news outlets because this whole gloom and doom thing is just not working out. We need
0: a puppies. news anchor to be like everybody. <sighs> We're getting puppies. ready to open up a puppy. Guy, <laughs> the puppies. Not open exactly. up a puppy. Open up a present. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I want to talk about open this with a us a is puppy. because uh, <laughs> patience is a virtue. But it's also a fruit of the spirit. And uh, one of the things that I think if we as Christians want to navigate the space that we're in today, we're we're in a rather um, precarious moment of like everything's happening and nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're all waiting for this thing. like we're waiting for the turbulence to end. We're waiting for the exit sign. we're waiting for the baby to come. We're waiting for the puppy to be here. Uh, but we got to be patient. Um, here's a question. I know a lot of our listeners are are trying their own tactics. Maybe even listening to podcasts that don't talk about politics is one of the ways that they distract themselves from just the pain of waiting. Um, but how do you guys, like, what are some, some ways that you guys think about getting through, like, Kristen, I'm really interested to hear from you about like those last weeks of pregnancy. Like how, how did you mentally endure knowing that something was coming and maybe even, gosh, I don't even want to get into the gory details, but about, you know, labor about, uh, you know, enduring labor and getting through that. Um, how, how did you mentally, like what strategies do you have mentally to get through that? Um, how, how can we encourage our listeners in this moment just to, to in- grow in patience?
3: Well, it's been a while now since I've been in that stage, but I was just talking with a friend who, uh, was late in her delivering her second child and she was struggling there toward the end. And I remember telling her what I had to do and tell myself over and over and over again is this child will come out. (laughs) (laughs) Like there, there will not be a moment, you know, a month from now, even two weeks from now where this child is still in me. And I think there's, um, there's some of that with our present situation is that keeping a long view of seeing beyond even today or this week or this hour and and looking beyond that and saying there will be a time very soon where a baby's here or the turbulence will end or we will know who is our president and having, um, that perspective is helpful.
2: I I think I struggle sometimes um, in the waiting. I and and oftentimes I have a tendency to um, tell myself that it doesn't matter as much as it it probably does. Like whatever I'm waiting mm-hmm. for, but like right now, Bethany and I are are waiting on some things right now, and there's there's moments when. The waiting feels very acute, um, and oftentimes my response is to not try not to feel as much, um, so that the maybe difficulty or the pain is is lessened. And I I don't know if that is advisable. I, I'm trying to balance the benefits of like really sitting in the pain of waiting or missed expectations uh, versus maybe shielding yourself a little bit from maybe um, just just the outcome that you weren't expecting. Um, so I, I don't know I don't know if I have uh advice on on how to wait well, but I, that's maybe some, some of my experience in, in the midst of waiting. Do you guys do you guys have a similar thing? Do you guys like sit and feel or do you tend to um, try to shield yourself a little bit? Oh, it depends on what think I'm waiting that, for. Oh, yeah?
3: Yeah. I think that's a, a really good point that you're bringing up is that we, I mean, I, t- I tend to uh, want to distract and I don't want to feel yes. that tension or that pain a lot of times. And so... I think you're hitting on something interesting from a spiritual standpoint of in those moments of waiting, what is the Lord trying to teach us? Because I think there's a biblical theme that we can see all throughout scripture where God teaches a lot of people significant things when they are waiting on him.
0: Yeah, I I think what you're saying, Scott, and what you just said, Kristen, about um, sometimes the thing that you want is a big thing. And yet you have to wait for it. And God teaches you a big lesson in the midst of your waiting for that big thing, the significance. And I I wonder how much of our culture has, has really um, made us obsessed with importance. Like, like when, when I get the important things on life, I'll become important. Or when I get the significant things, a significant other comes in my life, then I'll be significant. And we, I think are so distracted by what's next that, in the waiting for that, what's next? We often miss the lesson that God's trying to bring us right, through anyway. Uh, preachers like to say it this way, like God is working uh, in you more than he's working through you. We always got to remind ourselves in, in ministry even that uh, your next ministry success is not what validates you as a minister. It's what God's doing inside the worker uh, themselves. And and so I just think we're conditioned to want to escape the wait because we want to we feel Like we're doing something great. Um, Daniel, this is like me imposing how I would be if I was someone who released music. But like that high of like I'm releasing a song and then I can't wait to release another song. And then I can't wait to release another song because the instant feedback of that tends to be those high points. And unless you're staying in front of people, um, you're, you're not... There's this internal angst that I would feel. I know my own wiring that I would feel. I don't know if that's true to you. Or if I'm just imposing my own perspective upon you. Yeah,
1: no. Um, I think it's. I think it's easy to constantly be looking for the next thing and totally, totally miss on the on the growth that you're experiencing through the period of waiting and and longing for a project to be done um, and to see what God's doing. I know that I've experienced that in musical projects for sure um, as well as, uh, the house that we're, um, that we're renovating right now. That's a big waiting game. And I just want it to be done. You know, I just want the the project to be complete and to just, you know, be there. And, uh, my wife is very much, um, just on me every day about like, don't miss out on the, you know, the relationships that we're able to build with, with her parents Mm. and, the the molding that God's trying to perform Mm. in our life, um, right now. And it's, it's really, it's, I don't know. It's a it's a tendency that we have to just want that instant gratification, um, and I think um, it's just it's easy to miss what, what God wants you to what God wants you to experience and learn in the
0: times of, of waiting. Yeah, I, I think back to Scott's your your question though about like is that okay to like disconnect your mind from what your heart is longing for because the waiting seems hard, or do we do we have to sit in it and like? I don't know. I feel like either way might be too extreme, right? Like like just totally disconnecting yourself might show that you can't, you know, there should be some sort of tension that we're able to handle. Um, but also investing ourselves completely into this thing that's not here might be an obsession that maybe God's trying to do something else outside of. And I'm not sure, man. I'm not entirely sure I, what what the right answer to that is.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure there's a balance there. and. You, right now just in the moment i'm I'm thinking to the person of Christ and the example of Christ in his waiting and for whatever reason i I go to the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross and there there is significant emotion there is a defined future um that Christ is I don't want to say you know scared of but uh, he He is, he is definitely uh, very interested in and he sits with it, you know, and he goes to God in, in that moment um, with heavy, heavy emotions. Um, but then leaves trusting that God will work it out. And, and then leaves it, you know, and then leaves to go to go and, and fulfill what he, he was called to do by the Father. So I, I, I guess at some moment there is like you you need to uh sit with your emotions that come up in the midst of waiting, but you also need to maybe leave them in in the garden and trust and do the next thing, right?
1: Yeah. Well yeah, I mean I think you're saying that how the the way in which you wait speaks a lot to how much of your trust is in Christ. And mm. um I know like Like today today, I I was really convicted because I was just constantly on every news outlet and (laughs) podcast you can imagine um, just keeping up with everything and I had this conviction in my heart, like, man, are, are you really trusting in God for where this is going? Or are you trusting in man and letting anxiety set in? Mm. I, think that, I think that says a lot. Yeah.
0: This whole so conversation you... makes me think about Romans chapter 8. Do you guys remember what, like, a year ago when we were in Romans 8? <laughs> and um, Paul has this point where he's talking about, you know, the present sufferings of this world are not worth comparing with the future glory that is to come. And he, he mm. says three different things there's three different groans. There's, there's the spirits groan, creations groan, and are grown. Um, but, but in the midst of that groaning, there's this waiting period. And he, he ends, I, I had to look it up, but it's Romans eight, 24, 25 um, it says for in hope, we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope mm-hmm. for what we do not seize, we persevere with perseverance. We wait eagerly for it. And he's talking about the full revealing of our salvation and the day where Christ has come. And man, there's some times where in the waiting, I I have the older I get, the the more that becomes a cry of my heart of like Lord, just come. <laughs> right. Like just <laughs> that's ultimately what I want more than anything, is like, God, I want you. Um, but I I love that the Bible acknowledges the perseverance that's required in waiting for us just to stay in there. And so I think um, if we can just kind of summarize some of this right now, like Christians uh, in the waiting time here, like listen to what God is doing, listen to how God is is uh, speaking to your soul. Uh, what anxieties, like Danny, you're saying, like, man, I'm just anxious about this. I'm tuning into everything and just got to cool it. Um, paying attention to our hearts to make sure that we wait uh, with perseverance. But I also think the the, the patient are those who have, marks of the spirit, right? It's a fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patience. Mm -hmm. And uh, if ever there was a time for Christians to demonstrate that we have the spirit, I think it's now. Um, So that would be, that'd be a huge, huge thing for us. We'll see how it turns out. And uh, maybe in the future, it'll become like the, you know, following, uh, following Washington podcast. Uh, you know, now that person's giving me like a shake of the head, like that's out of our lane. Please, right, I no. got you I got you. This is not about politics. Not about politics. Following but Washington. Yeah, not about politics. Hey, Scott, we uh, we got one yeah. more question in the Catechism uh, that's going to get us out of the Ten Commandments. So we got uh, Commandments nine yes. and ten. You want to uh, walk us through it?
2: Yep. Yeah. So I'll read a uh, question and answer for those of you following along on the New City Catechism app. We're on question twelve. This question, last two commandments, what does God require in the ninth and the tenth commandments? The answer, ninth, that we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, that we are content, not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. So let's talk about lying and comparison. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Cool topics to end on. And I think very uh, appropriate for... Today, yikes! Yeah,
0: so I, I I opened up my sermon at HP on Sunday, talking about how uh, our country has like has become sophisticated liars, right? Like we we call things like disinformation, which yeah. is just a fancy way of saying lies, or <laughs> fake news, which is literally what should just be called lies. Um, and I think when 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 we read, like, do not uh, lie or deceive, right? Like your actions can be deceitful as well. You can play, um, you know, tricks on one another. But speak the truth in love. That's that's what it says. Speak the truth in love. Mm. Um, it's also Ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love um, one to another. Um, I got to be honest. I think the one of the greatest opportunities that – that we have today and and where this pushes my mind is actually towards social media. Mm. Um, Part of of the allure of social media is it allows you to deceive easily, Uh, whether it's more flattering photos of your life that maybe deceive (laughs) other people into thinking who you are or creating an image for yourself. I think a more sinister approach to that is saying like, what does social media allow you to deceive yourself about yourself, mm. right? Yeah. Like I've got all these friends, I've got all this influence, I've got all these people who agree with me or all these people that like what I what I just did or my engagement or this or that or whatever. So many positive things about social media, but also I think at the core of it, we've got a, an easy tendency to be deceived on it.
3: I think it's funny that you went to lying with social media because I definitely go to envy with social media. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like I think, I think that, like it's such a place where whether you're looking at people's Instagram, like the the vacations that they're taking, the way their house looks, their perfect family, like there's all of these opportunities for, yes, those people to maybe present something that is less than true. Like we all have, you know, that the Instagram reality versus reality. But I think we are, we are so easily caught up in the social media world to provide us a place where we are envying without realizing we're envying Mm -hmm. because the scroll and watching other people's lives, um, fake or real, whatever go before us, causes us to wish that was us and, and, you know, breed this discontentment in our own heart. And, um, yeah, so that when we're talking about lying and envy, those, my mind first went to the um, comparison.
1: Yeah, but I think it's interesting how how you went how you went to line was uh was cool because I've never thought about it that way. That I mean, when you are posting, you are inevitably lying to yourself and lying to others in most cases. Like I would say, you know, ninety nine percent of people don't post what they actually look like in their actual habitat <laughs> on their average days. They're posting. Um, uh, you know, like this, uh, even just naturally, just a, a facade version of, of who they really are. Um, hmm. And I think it starts out just really innocent, you know? And I, I, I know, it convicted me um, just posting about music and stuff. And uh, it's weird how that, like, that lying then leads to false comparison, which then leads to this envy. So, like, you're really envying not even the, the true reality of somebody else, like, you're envying a lie. Mm. and it's, it's that's interesting
0: it's fascinating how these two work together right in the ninth yeah. and tenth commandment um in some versions of the bible we say like um do not bear false witness is how the commandment comes across um there's a fascinating post in the gospel coalition not too long ago i should have looked it up so i could quote it and give you the author um but his his uh, assertion was that um, whenever you share an article on Facebook or Twitter that you have not yourself read nor fact-checked, you might be liable for violating the ninth commandment. Mm-hmm. You could be sinning by sharing something that is inherently untruthful. But how many people find an article that's got a great headline or or something that's the first paragraph is is something that they, Uh, want to, you know, get out there for for their cause or for whatever, only to find out later that that has been debunked or something has been, and they've been spreading uh, mistruths, lies about it. Um, I thought that was an interesting, an interesting argument as well uh, Mm -hmm. against how we act truthfully uh, online. So guys, this conversation kind of makes me think about one other aspect of truth and trying to find the truth. And I hesitate to even wade into these waters of what could be controversial. Um, But there seems to be now more than ever with different governmental people trying to leak things to the American people or people just trying to fill in the gaps of what happens in the world with their own... um, ideas or an imagination it seems to be a proliferation these days of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. uh and I, I don't wanna I don't necessarily want to like name theories or like you know even go through uh you know what what is a, a conspiracy but um because there have been many through the 20th century and whatnot but I think uh it's important for Christians today to think about the ninth commandment as we think about this, um, even the catechism question of what's the ninth commandment saying Um, for us as people, not to, not to buy into maybe theories that are not grounded in truth, but are actually fabrications. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I think for us as Christians, it's incumbent upon us to be able to examine what we know And ask hard questions about it, and seek to find truth. That process has led some people to believe things that seem to run incredibly counter to reality. Maybe one of those conspiracies I could just you know hazard this that someone someone has said you know many people have said uh, that coronavirus is not real. Right. That it's like this fabrication. Have you guys heard this? Like this this idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh maybe you yeah. even thought this. And I think that's where some conspiracies begin is like the under, the underlying thought. Like, is this real question? And I think it's important for us today because we live in a world that um, like we've said already, truth in reporting is very hard to know and understand. Um, you know, we tend to also lie to ourselves about things, and for us to try and find truth in something is, is very difficult. Um, Kristen, I'm thinking about things like um, like QAnon and uh, the coronavirus, and, and so why do you think it's important for Christians to be discerning when it comes to some of these more fringe, alternative realities that maybe some people would call conspiracy theories, some people would call, you know, quest for the truth? Um, why do you think we have to discern those?
3: I think, our, well, maybe I'm not answering your question in this, but I, you know, I think you've talked about this before. Is that a, a reason that we're drawn to these things is because we are grasping for control? Um, mm-hmm. We want to have some explanation of of why these things are happening in our world, and when we don't um, exactly know how, we create these narratives that make sense in our own minds, and um, that's a really tempting thing even if it's somewhat unbelievable it allows us to have an explanation and um yeah ultimately to 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 have control over what's going on or at least to be able to point to something for a reason that things are happening and i don't know i think that's a i'm not sure that's what we're called to as believers like in fact i think as believers we're called to give up our control right and to, to say that mm. we trust the one who is in control mm. um yeah. even when it feels like there's chaos in our world or there are things that are happening that are evil and wrong we we still have to instead of trying to make sense of it turn to a god who is sovereign and acknowledge that that he is the one that's in control
0: I recently heard a pastor say um, on a podcast talking about just church, um, like how to handle church these days. He was saying a lot of pastors are just putting their head in the sand, pretending like nothing's happening. And this isn't about conspiracies at all. But he said, that's just dishonest with yourself. Um, The Mm -hmm. best leaders are the ones who are going to um, acknowledge what's happening around them and deal in reality and not in their own, like veiling themselves from truth. And he's, he made this yeah. point and I think it might relate here. He said, anytime I've ever chosen to deal with my life in reality, even though it might be uncomfortable or make me acknowledge something that's painful, it's gone better for me. Every time I've acknowledged the mm. toothache and gone to the dentist, they fixed it before it became a bigger problem. Anytime I've it, it, yeah. you know acknowledged <laughs> the thing that's wrong with my body and gone to the doctor, they've caught something before it could have been a worse thing he said it's always better for us to deal with the unpleasant realities um mm-hmm. and not just hide them in some sort of like brush off sort of way
2: and i wonder if and that's go go ahead scott well i'll just say that's that's like ninth commandment speaking truth in love to yourself, to yourself. like mm-hmm. let's let's speak truth in, in the reality to yourself and i don't know if we want to get into this but this christian what you said it all it reminds me uh back to the garden which oh, let's talk about like first conspiracy theory, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> where Satan spoke to Eve and fed disinformation, which uh, right. Eve bought into that God did not want what was good for her. Mm. Um, and it led to action <laughs> and it led to uh, the fall of creation. So, yeah, uh, you know, we have we have an actual enemy out there who is the king of lies Mm. that does spread disinformation because not because he wants uh you know certain politics a politician on on in the white house but because he does not want the kingdom of god to be established right like that is what we are at our core as christians fighting against we want to see the establishment of the kingdom of god
1: so how do you how do you discern then how do you discern what information that you that you trust because i think right Americans are uh, full of pride. Yeah. And we do not want to just be uh, a culture that drinks the Kool-Aid and just accepts information that's given to us. Um, right. So wh- when, what are your recommendations for, uh, you know, um, trying to stay away from false information, but also trying to lead your family in, in truth,
0: objective truth? I, I have two Bible verses that I think would be applicable here. The first is what Jesus said. You will know the truth and the truth shall set, shall set you free. I think when you acknowledge reality um, around you and and decide that however unpleasant it is and decide to confront it and walk through it, you actually have an opportunity to put your faith in the Lord and help him, and not help him, but have him help you walk through difficult things. That's the first thing. The second is I think everyone should be uh, uh, quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, I think what I've observed, and I'll just talk about the evangelical Christian context. And I, the Gospel Coalition wrote a couple of articles. I think they even had a podcast or two about QAnon specifically as a um, as a conspiracy theory that meddles and lies and as and needs to be confronted by discerning Christians. And we can link to those in the show notes. But I think what I watch Christians. Um, as we placate our culture, trying to point out all the evils of this world, I I personally wish more Christians would be... Um, it's not the quick-to-listen point that I think people who are susceptible to conspiracy theories fall in. It's It's the slow-to-speak point. Because I think when I've talked to anybody who's meddled in conspiracy theories that either goes to our campus or lives in an area, they've done an insane amount of listening and listened to um, everyone. I've, I've actually, whenever I talk to people who have some sort of alternative, alternative explanation to reality, they have done their research more than I have. But the problem is they also want to just summarize all of that research and, and make these connections that don't necessarily actually logically connect to reality, nor to the things that they heard themselves. And so they start spewing these things and saying these things. And, and man, we, we were struggling whether or not to even talk about this, but I think it's important because one Easter, not, not more than three years ago, someone hand-drew, uh, hand-wrote a letter in our congregation Went to our copy maker, made like a hundred copies of their own handwriting and handed out to people. It was a YouTube video about a conspiracy theory. And so that, that was being passed around our lobby on Easter, right? And yeah. uh, when I went to confront this person, they said, you're, you're participating in the scheme. Mm. And I wanted to say, maybe, maybe I am. All I know is that this isn't the place for you to speak right now. So so please don't be passing out this idea. We're here for the gospel. And I think Christians who find themselves really uh, entertaining ideas of, you know, government conspiracy or global, you know, malfeasance um, might need to just take a beat, right? And take a moment and say, okay, I'm listening and ask themselves the question, who have I listened to? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, instead of putting these things on Facebook, um, talk to somebody personally who you trust and respect, who does have um, maybe a different opinion than you, and ask in humility. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, you use the word hubris. I don't remember if it was in this conversation or another, but you use the word hubris about, like, you know, thinking that you have all of the, you know, you know better than anybody else. And I thought that was a great word because um, it takes a lot of humility for us to be quick to listen, so to speak, and slow to become angry.
2: You know, Dan, I'll also press into that a little bit. I think a lot of times um, we receive information unilaterally from a singular source. And I think just a really practical way that we can um, know Daniel and make objective judgments in our own mind about certain realities is are we reading both sides? If you find yourself only listening to one source and only uh, supporting your 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 one side, yeah. then there's a chance that you are lying to yourself um, and being used. Yeah, I think if you can uh, approach both sides uh, and really wrestle with information that is contrary to maybe what you already hold, it's only going to make one. It's only going to make your argument stronger if you can work through those. Um, but it's also, I think, going to temper, really temper your your thoughts and, uh, and beliefs. I had a missions
0: professor who encouraged us to uh, understand a global perspective. And he said, yeah. here's seven international news sources that have US news. Sometime throughout yeah. the week, you should just check in on what does the world think about American current events? <laughs> And how is, and, and so, you know, it's not always the closest information or the most accurate information, but it's a different yeah. perspective. And I yep. think some of our, you know, when we talk about Romans 14 or Romans 13 and, and how Christians should engage in government and and respond to, you know, commands from higher ups. And if you think there's a conspiracy happening, you don't want to engage in, in, in whatever the commands are, but um you know you got to ask yourselves how do christians in other parts of the world engage this situation if it's going on right now so if we're talking about coronavirus being false are there christians in asia who are taking measures to protect one another and are they experiencing mm. a lack of freedom as a result of these measures that they're taking that's just one example um or or you know how how is this impacting the church globally and i think we we will find our own myopic you what you're saying that singular source and that too local zoomed in perspective if we get a little broader might give us a different perspective that's helpful for us